0: Hello, everybody and welcome to the latest episode of the nordic football podcast my name is jonathan vaduba and i'm delighted to say that we have a special guest on the show this week uh we have been trying to get as many guests as possible and we are really thrilled to be able to invite uh, the following guest on the show it is none other than david Cellini. i hope i'm pronouncing that correctly um who is the assistant coach at varnamo now varnamo have a really interesting and exciting backstory we did actually cover them last season a little bit just in terms of the uh with the promotion season but of course so if you go back in the archives or, you know on twitter or um on spotify itunes wherever you get your podcasts you can maybe dip into that and have a little listen back to the interview with robin asterhead of course there's been a lot of turnaround at varno since then uh robin has since moved on to a role at malmo in a scouting capacity uh, he was previously one of the head coaches at, at varno in their promotion season uh, don't forget, this is their first ever year in Osvenskan, the club, um, in their, I think, 100-plus-year history. So it's been a really exciting time and a really exciting campaign for Varnamo. Midway through the season, they're currently 13th, just above the relegation zone. Of course, all expectations by, by many were that they would perhaps get relegated, um, but they're fighting above the waterline at the moment in time. And I'm really pleased to say that we're we're going to be joined on this podcast by um, David Salini, who's the assistant coach at Varnamo, as I mentioned. So David Good to have you on the show. How are you today?
1: Uh, thank you, Jonathan, and thanks for having me on. Uh, yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm doing well. Uh, we had a tough, tough loss yesterday, but uh, we are, uh, as we normally say, when when we start a new week, the sun, uh, the sun rose again. So we are now working hard to prepare for for Hamabi away on on Sunday. But uh, despite recent results, life is is pretty it's pretty good down here.
0: Yeah and it's really good to get you on the show. I mean I know you're quite popular even on Twitter you know um, seeing a lot of your sort of threads and um, posting tactical things and little bits you're working on so it's really nice to see that you're very open about how the club works and and kind of what you work on in training. So we will talk about that a little bit as the show goes on but uh, you touched on there a little bit of disappointment from from this weekend result. We can't really get away without just starting on that result. Just very briefly I mean uh, a 3-2 defeat to AIK who were one of the biggest teams in the league, obviously biggest teams in Swedish football. Um, first time the clubs obviously played them in a league fixture at home, um, I think ever. So uh, uh, definitely ever in Old again. anyway. Um, just to recap the kind of what, what the flow of the game, uh, AIK took the lead in the 23rd minute, John Guidetti, of course, formerly of Manchester City um, and Swedish under 21. And so there's obviously many caps to Sweden. Uh, Marcus Andersson equalised, Wanderson made it 2-1 and then bit of a nightmare robin t he owned goal on loan from aik himself and stefanelli in the 69th minute made it 3-2 to aik and that's how the game finished um so yeah i mean we can't really ignore that game because it was so eventful just wanted to get your brief thoughts on that match um david what was your sort of perspective on that as it's quite fresh in the memory
1: yeah i think um we, we we always say that we watch games in different ways so we we watch the games live obviously with all the emotions uh on uh, at play and then uh, we watch the game back a few times uh just taking all those emotions and the atmosphere and everything away from from the analysis and then we look at the statistics and uh, stats of the game so i think uh, the the image i have of the game now and the, the perception i have of what unfolded is very similar to what i experienced live i think we uh, we had a really good game i think we started quite poorly didn't really get into the the correct positioning in, in order to play past the the, the press of AIK. Uh, so we had a bit of, of struggles initially, despite creating a few dangerous moments, and then they scored in a period where I think they, they looked pretty pretty good. And after that goal, I think we uh, totally managed to wrestle control of the game and, and uh, ran the game for long spells and really played like the team we want to be in terms of, of how we get the ball forward with control and, and threatening in behind and playing very vertical football. And then Pressing them high and getting the ball back when when we lose it. So uh, I think we had a really good performance. We turned the game around, and and uh, I don't know how <clears throat> if you knew, know about that. But Oiko, they have, I think they haven't lost a game being a goal up since like 2017. So for us to turn the game around uh, was strong already there. And then I, I felt like we would go on and win the game, but then as you said, we made we made some mistakes at the back where we were punished uh, by oiko and uh, yeah they they then managed to use all the experience i think to to close the game out in the last 20 minutes and we felt kind of kind of shocked with the with how the the goals were scored so i think we struggled to get back to the way we we played before uh for those i don't know forty minutes between their first and second goal where we were really really good and uh, we had some nice opportunities at the end but couldn't manage to to score an equalizer and it felt really tough to to leave that game without a point, especially for the boys who uh i think had uh had made a really good performance so uh we uh take a lot of positives from the way we play but played the game but we uh feel disappointed that we couldn't um bring a positive result from that performance so uh kind of mixed feelings uh but i'm pretty pretty low uh last night but now uh having watched the game back twice today, I, I feel like we will uh, push on and be even stronger, both on an individual level and, 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 uh, and on a collective level, too.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, just a quick question. Um, <clears throat> the biggest talking point, I suppose, from from the game was the kind of Robin Teehy situation on loan from AIK, played for Varnamo and obviously scored an own goal. Uh, a lot of talk around that incident. Um, just wanted to very quickly, like in a brief sentence, maybe, uh, obviously, you know, you work with Robin. Just wanted to get your perspective on, should should that rule change? Do you think it was, um, I mean, there's a lot of debate about should loan players be allowed to kind of play for their parent, uh, play against their parent club? Uh, and obviously in England, for example, it's it's not allowed. What's your perspective on that? And, you know, just in terms of how Robin, I know there's been a lot of kind of hate from Mark, I think on social media, which is you always get, doesn't it? And little things like that. Just, just what's your perspective on that in general, just as a talking point? Because a lot of people, I think in Sweden, it's a big talking point uh, this week yeah. so far.
1: Yeah, definitely. I, I think just obviously online abuse or abuse of any kind for anyone is, is shameful I think. Uh, so it's very sad to see that Robin's been uh, been a victim of that. I think uh, knowing him and, and the sort of person he is, he will uh, without without doubt he will become stronger and he will continue to improve. He's only 20 but he's a leader in, in our dressing room and in our team and I think he's had a really good season uh, so far and, and I think it this will only help him become a, a better player and more experienced player. And in terms of the in terms of the rule, I think uh, for us uh, it it's it's good to have him playing for us. I think it, we brought him in to play as many games as possible. So if we hadn't been uh, you know allowed to use him, we would probably have had, in our opinion, a weaker team because we we start him every week. So I think uh, from the outside, I I can understand why. And the rule is, is being debated. I think for us, uh, regardless of of now he he made he made a mistake, but we had players made mistake making mistakes in other games as, as well. So I don't think uh, him being on loan from them impacted anything that happened on the pitch. I think uh, he was probably more more uh, what do you say uh, set on winning the game than anyone else, uh, just because of of him coming from there and then. And then I think he will would have taken the loss harder than anyone else because he's an absolute winner, that boy. So uh, I, I think for us, the rule is uh, is good as it is. I think uh, we want to use our best players for as many games as possible. But, but uh, you know, from a fan perspective, I understand why when stuff like this happens, it becomes a debate. But I, I heard nothing of, of the sort last, was it two weeks ago when, when Oiko lost to Mjelby and they had an on loan goalkeeper saving every every shot they came at yeah. him. so so i think i think uh, it's been sort of blown out of proportions um uh, but i think as long as the parent club are fine with the player playing against them i i, I have i see no problem for us in using him.
0: yeah exactly and just just to get a bit of reaction um you know kim kim helberg also commented after the match just for a bit of context he said robin is a great professional footballer he's probably the one who is most saddened that we did not win today he will play on the bigger stage and this will make him better we are there for him if needed and we only have love for him and uh, it sounds like sort of david you, you share those sentiments obviously working with him we we finally enough we had um actually coffee who um used to uh, who plays for afc Eskilstuna, student played with robin last season i think uh, and i remember him on the podcast sort of uh, praising robin and, and i've seen him obviously since he broke through in aik and he's definitely a very exciting player i don't think you can really question his professionalism but You know, these things happen and it's, uh, I guess it's a talking point, isn't it, for the moment? But let's go back to Varnamo. As we mentioned, an incredible story for the club. First ever time in Osvenskan this year after, you know, so long uh, in the lower tiers, uh, kind of fighting this season to maybe stay in the division. Um, And you've made a good fist of it, to be fair. Like, I think, you know, how would you sum up the season so far? Because, you know, I think there's a kind of perspective. There's only obviously been three wins to date uh, from the first sort of half of the season, pretty much. But at the same time, you've had some really creditable results. Uh, a draw with, for example, Malmo at home um, managed to grab, grab a nil-nil there. Beat Hammerby, 1-0, of course. Fantastic result there. Um, yesterday's game against Aik, you know, very close to getting a result. Uh, I remember the first game of the season, even EF Koyotabug away, very close. So it, it seems to me like you've kind of performed maybe a little bit better than some might expect. And I think the stats also bear that out. What's your overall perspective on the season so far in Varnemar's first ever can campaign.
1: Yeah, I think uh, I think you summed it up quite well. Actually, I think uh, in terms of results, we are. You can look at it two ways. I think because in, uh, if if someone would have told us that with half the season played, we would be above the not only the relegations but also the playoff the playoff spot. I think uh, most people would have said that's a really good performance, uh, and I think we would have probably taken that. Um, but then you look at the results we've had i think uh, you mentioned some games there where we get, have gotten points where we shouldn't wouldn't have uh, have expected us getting points from hammerburn and Mountain, for example uh but i think our performances have been really good and uh, we are not satisfied least with where we with where we're at in the table i think we're not pleased with the amount of points we have because i think uh, if you look at yeah, we feel we should have won the game yesterday. We felt we were the better team. And I think we had a game against Mielby where we conceded in the 95th minute uh, in in sort of chaotic fashion uh, from from nowhere, really. And then uh, we had a game against Serios at home where we felt we we dominated the game but couldn't make the breakthrough and, and drew that game nil-nil. So we feel like just in those three games, we've lost seven points. That would have had us in, in uh, I think... Comfortable in in mid table on 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 twenty points, and then uh, if you look at at the stats, the underlying stats, we are somewhere if, depending on where you look. But Wise Scout, for example, has us on on twenty expected points, with, which would go quite well with that and that. And then we have thirteen, so that's seven points. We we feel like we should have had more, and and also the stats back up. and And I think in terms of of score expected goals, we are expected to have scored twenty. We've scored fourteen, so slight under uh, Quite a big underperformance there, and same thing for goals against, where we have conceded 25 and, and haven't an expected goals against of 21. So uh, stats aren't everything, but all these metrics have us somewhere around seventh to ninth. So I think our performances have merited more and than than we have gotten, and I think the challenge for us for the rest of the season will be to to try and get more points, and by doing that, getting better results from from already good performances. I think we've had. 15 games where we only feel that one has been below below ourselves i think we had a poor performance against Sundsvall which came at a difficult time for us when we lost two key players to injury and we had some new players not not uh not being able to play because they their transfer window opened a few days later and, and we had to make a lot of change to the team which kind of made our performances quite incohesive i think and uh that's the only one where we feel we haven't lived up to to the team we want to be uh, playing the sort of football we we want to play, and, and I'm sure we'll touch on that. But but uh, as you mentioned, in all those games, regardless if we play Varberg away and or if we play Degerfors at home or if we play uh, Hammarby at home or you in away, it's it's the same. You see the same team, you see the same football being played, but then the, you know the system or or. Uh, the build-up shape or the pressing shape will change because we change. It, we, I think our football is very much principle or concept-driven rather than mm-hmm. system and, and formation-driven. So we are very flexible like that. But the, the common the common theme is that we played our football in in every game bar that Sundsvall game where we didn't perform to the ability we know we have. So I think yeah. we we've had a good good uh, first half in terms of performances. I think we. We have, a, have had a good first half in terms of where we're at in the table, but I think we've had a poor first half in terms of getting the most out of those performances in terms of points. So I think that, that would sum up uh, my feelings for the yeah, first half sure. of the season.
0: And I mean, uh, just in terms of the table, as I mentioned, thirteen uh, three points above the relegation uh, playoff place um, in a 16-team league, of course. Uh, 14 goals scored, 25 conceded, three wins eight defeats, four draws from 15 games. So we're exactly at the midway point of your season. Um exactly what you say there, David, is correct. I mean in terms of Y Scout, uh, our partner's Y Scout, you've got, you know, you're ninth in the table for um expected goals and, and you're eighth in the table for expected goals against. So to be honest, your fair sort of placing probably was is around should really be around mid-table. Um, but you're obviously 13th. So it seems like maybe just a little bit of luck isn't quite going your way and, and maybe as the season goes on that could sort of uh, even itself out a little bit. Um, let, let's, you know, I want to sort of speak about yourself as well because there was a lot of change at the end of last season uh, at Varnamo. You know, obviously Robin astor had moved on, um, and you know the, the new team came in with yourself. Just t- tell us uh, how your role at Varnamo came about. How did you get into this role? And you know, we'll talk about, a bit more widely about your own path into football. But let's start with kind of how did the role actually come about um, for you to, to move to Varnamo?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. Uh, so uh, Kim Hellberg, uh, the the head coach now he was he was appointed at the back end of, of last season when uh, when uh, Robin uh, had decided to to go to Malmo so uh, so Kim came in and, and I had gotten to know Kim a bit in Norrköping because uh, he was assistant manager at the IFK Norrköping and I uh, had joined a club called Sylvia who played in uh, what is it, the third division of of Swedish football so that would be the equivalent to League One uh, I joined that club in, in the in the August of last of last year. And, and uh, that club works very closely with North Sherping. It's like a, it's not like a feeder club, but yeah, it's like it's a partner like, club, isn't it? I think it's yeah, a yeah, partner but, club. And, yeah. and, and people come and go in between. So coaches go in between, maybe going from uh, coaching a youth team to becoming a head coach for for Sylvia, for example, that uh, Kim used to be the head coach of Sylvia before becoming assistant at, at North Sherping, for example. And, and now the same path was was taken by Anes Mravats, who is the assistant coach at at the He was the head coach at Silvia when I was there last season, and and from there I got to know Kim and and Anes, uh who I worked with. Uh, he uh, recommended me to Kim that that um, he because Kim wanted to bring an assistant with him, and uh, and from there uh, we had a few meetings and a few chats, and uh, you know, it felt uh, felt really good, and and Kim obviously felt that I could add something too to his uh staff down here so that's uh sort of how it came about and then uh, yeah uh, it's been uh it's been really good we've uh, i think we've created a very good partnership and and uh yeah that's that's sort of the, sto- the back story the backstory
0: yeah i mean you you're um you know according to twitter you're a ua for b licensed coach as well um are you, are you swedish origin or you know you tell us a bit yeah. about your background kind of thing how did you get into football in, in general as a coach
1: yeah so yeah i um I was born in Stockholm. I uh, my my parents are Swedish. My, my dad is half Italian, so uh, that's that that explains my last name Cellini uh, Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, that's uh, that that's that story. And then uh, my mom is from the north of Sweden. So I was born in Stockholm, lived there for a few years, and then we moved north when I was eight. Uh, so really got into started playing football in Stockholm, then continued playing and played at at semi-professional level uh, at a club called Buden. Uh, which was in uh, Division Two at the time, so that would be League Two. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I started coaching when I was nineteen because uh, I had an injury, so I started helping out with my younger brother's team, and and then really fell in love with it. Uh, I would say so. I became uh, I was playing for the first team, coaching youth teams, and then became became under seventeen, under nineteen coach. I coached a district team in in uh, we have uh, like twenty five districts in Sweden and. Like we're with young players, so when you're between, I think, 14 and 16. So you go around and you play against other districts. And it's basically from that pool of players that the first national team will be picked. So I coached that team for a few years. I coached the academy teams at, at Buden. And then uh, uh, I think, was it yeah five years ago now, I, I moved to Linköping in the south, where uh, I started to become a upper secondary school teacher uh in english and and history and and coached a bit on the side uh and then yeah found myself to sylvia last season uh with uh with anne as i said and and then uh yeah ended up down here so so that's the story is is uh the coaching story is 10 years old i think i'm 28 at the time now so so almost a decade but uh yeah the the journey from from the north to the south now has been a long one, as you know from the geography of Sweden. It's a it's a it's a Definitely. vast country. <laughs> <Yeah>. So uh, <laughs> the coaching journey has been has been uh, reasonably quick, I think, but uh, the, the geographical one has been far longer.
0: Yeah, for sure. It's a big country, especially north to south. You know, many hours traveling and logistical uh, getting around stadiums and things like that. I think for coaching is is uh, it's a bit of a challenge. I think that people maybe sometimes don't appreciate when you look at Swedish football I mean just wanted to sort of touch on you've talked about kind of how you got into the role and and, and your time also at Sylvia as well which as you mentioned is kind of a partner club with Nor shopping um let's talk about your kind of role as a coach you know like I said you've been doing your, you've been putting in the hours to get to this position what are your kind of day-to-day duties as an assistant coach at, at Varnamo um you know how do you divide your time maybe tell us maybe your sort of average week what goes on you mentioned earlier in the in the show that you've kind of You've already watched the Vinamo ARK game twice today already. So, you know, talk to me a little bit about, talk to the listeners about your um, your day-to-day duties as, as an assistant coach at, at Vinamo.
1: Yeah, uh, just to give some sort of context before going into that, I, I, just like the staff we have, it's uh, it's a very small club I'm, I'm working at. So uh, the the full-time staff basically consists of me and Kim. So Kim being the head coach, me being the assistant coach. Then we have a lot of part-time people uh Around the, around the club that mainly come in when the sessions uh, are, are due, basically in the day. So we have uh, two other assistant coaches, that's uh, Tony Johansson and, and uh, Jonas Tan. Then uh, we have, uh, I think, one two physios who basically divide their time. So when one is here, the other is working at their practice and then they switch. And then uh, we have a goalkeeping coach as well, uh, working part-time. Uh, and that that's basically it in terms of of the actual on-the-pitch staff. We have, uh, obviously, people working with uh, kits and stuff as well, uh, also being part-time. And then we have a sporting director who is full-time. So basically, on the football side, we have three full-time employees. So uh, it's Enes Akhmetovic, a sporting director, then it's Kim, and and then it's me. So uh, the day-to-day work is basically that the three of us, we sit in, we've uh, decorated, I I would say, uh, a room in the in the clubhouse which is used to be an old boardroom so we uh, just changed uh, change it up a little bit put some tactics boards in there and Ian has put some scarves uh, on the on the walls to create some sort of homier club yeah. feeling uh <laughs> and then in that room we do everything so in sits at one end me and kim sit opposite each other at the massive table where we have you know um whatever it could be tactical pads or uh, training drills and uh scout reports stuff like that uh and then from there we uh we begin every week by uh, or every week depends on when we play but post post match i would say we uh we tend to watch the game back a few times we work a lot with video analysis we have video before every session virtually uh so that would be we train. Uh, we a normal week we would have six or seven sessions, two double sessions, uh, and then uh, a few single, single sessions. Uh, so it's about preparing video for those, for those sessions. Let's say we're doing uh, like the game yesterday, we might want to look tomorrow at uh, at build-up play. So then today we look at uh, bringing some clips from from that game we played and and how we could have done things better from this game, particularly in the first twenty minutes. And then when we did the right things, how the game opened up for us and and got into the way we want to play. And then we show that to the players. And we might tie that into earlier games or even training sessions because we record all training sessions as well. Uh, And then from preparing those video meetings, we obviously prepare training sessions and we prepare uh, analysis of of opponents. So uh, I would say at bigger clubs, you might have more people doing lot of different roles i think me and kim are basically on the football side on the pitch where we run everything like that so we do everything together sitting in in that room analyzing planning preparing for opponents uh, preparing training sessions and and overall always trying to improve the the style you want to play so as i said it's very principle driven so we try and work with that every day in training so it's about creating the best possible conditions for the players to to get better at playing the way we want to play, uh, and then the results of games aren't the most important. It's more how can we use the performances we we've had uh, into uh, becoming better every day. Uh, so it's a lot of work goes into preparing and planning that. So I think that uh, it's difficult for me to give you a, a a sort of schedule for what a day looks like. It's it's very sure. much uh, doing as much as possible in the time we have. So long hours uh lots of lots of fun lots of lots of work but it's uh it's a brilliant job to have so uh there's there's no complaining it's just uh that's sort of the the overall uh context that that we do everything in that room the the yeah. two of us and then we have Ian as there always giving input and and uh having questions for more organist organizational uh questions yeah uh, around around the club.
0: And he's a bit of a club legend as well, I think, you know, in terms of the history. We, we, I think we touched on it in the last episode when we did um, Robin Astorhead as well. But I think, you know, you mentioned the the staff there, and it's probably important to point out at this point for anyone who doesn't actually know about Varnum as a club. I, I believe I'm right in saying I think I think Malmo, obviously the champions, have roughly, I think, between 30 and 40 full-time staff um, outside yeah. of the full-time, obviously, the playing squad. Whereas, as you just mentioned there, you've got, what, two to three full-time staff members. So it just gives a little bit of the uh, context in terms of how incredible the story of Varnamo is to be where you are and even to be just fighting in the offense you know in the first place let alone um, you know sort of doing quite well and 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 having metrics that show a mid-table side so yeah just a little bit of context then you know it's, it's really an incredible job you guys are doing on on such a short kind of manpower staff and things uh, and even the budgets if you look at the club budget i mean uh, i don't have the specifics but I know it's obviously several times less than you know, some of the other bigger clubs in, in, uh, in Sweden. Just wanted to sort of ask you about kind of, um, you know, you, you mentioned that you're always trying to get the best out of players and, and, um, and, and how you do that. I mean, the manager, obviously Kim Helberg, he's mentioned he's won a lot of plaudits for the playing style. Um, and you work with him day to day. I mean, what would you say you've learned so far from working with him? L- let's take a look at, the, for example, the AIK game as a bit of context, and, and I'm interested to just get your general thoughts and perspectives. Um, it seemed to me from the AIK game, for example, that you maybe had a tactic of, of sort of trying to get into the wide areas uh, and kind of get crosses into the 60-yard box to Antonson to Obviously, he scored a goal from a cross. I think it was Magashi with a cross. And then, uh, obviously, Wonderson's goal, you also opened up spaces just outside the box, um, and he obviously had a, a longer range effort, didn't he? That, that, that sort of creep through. You know, what do you base your tactics on? Kind of game by game, or do you base it on your own style of play? And what is the Kim Helberg, sort of Vanimo style of play? And and what kind of, uh, you know, how do you divide that between your own style and then obviously, you know, the opponent that you might be playing?
1: Yeah, uh, good question. I, I think uh, we we will uh, you will have to. Uh stop me if I go on for too long here because I have a probably I will try and describe it as as, as best to, my, as the, to the best of my ability but I and think f- uh,
0: firstly just answer am I am I am I right about what I say about the AK game that, that was my definition yeah. of it I don't know yeah I, I'm I
1: think <laughs> it's not not so much we we tend to divide the uh, uh, let's see if you take the penalty area obviously you can look at to assist zones and that sort of thing and and we try to get into the box as much as possible with control mm. and that might be if that the best way to get into the box would be through going wide and then maybe going into those assist zones that that's fine if if the best way to get in to the box is by going through central letters then we will try and have you know weapons and methods to do that and then uh, if the best way to get into the box is just going in behind the opponent we want to do that with control so that then it's really important for us to do maybe what we did for the for the second goal, where, for the first goal, when we go from a goal kick, where we go away into our centre-backs, and I think we had a midfielder dropping off, uh, the ball is played into a centre midfielder, and then that player is, is in the ARK team, and that, that gives us a better option to go in, in behind than going from maybe the centre-back straight away. So it's about creating conditions to get in behind a team like Arco yesterday with, with control, so then we could get into midfield, and from there we can play that final pass in behind, and then we can run the ball into the box uh yeah so it's it's about creating conditions to create the best possible opportunity to score goals and and that us means getting players in between the posts getting players in positions where we ask questions of the opponent that they have to pick between we like to say pick between two bad options so if if uh, they decide to go right we will have an option or an alternative to go left and we will always try and and play in a way that create advantages for us based on how the opponent plays so that ties into your your question about how much we base stuff on the opponent i think uh, before going into that i would just say that, that the way we attack the box i think is might be one of the most detailed <laughs> I've, I've ever seen because kim is uh, absolutely incredible at the way he organizes attacking play i think not organizing in a way where you limit decision making that you have to play certain patterns. That's not what we do. We, as I said, we try and create conditions where the players will make decisions based on what they see and what they interpret on the pitch. But we will provide them with possible scenarios and possible uh, ways of unlocking a defense. And I think Kim is extraordinary at creating that in, in training. And then we see that in games. So that sort of goal we score from Magashi and Anton Son, we've scored that in training Uh, 50 times and I I think uh, he has made that run towards that sort of space 100 times but then again he's also made runs to different spaces when those spaces are open so it's about creating those sort of opportunities where we feel we have good chances to score so we don't want to cross the ball from the sideline because we think it's very difficult to score from that we want to maybe get into a bit more narrow position to be able to finish on one touch which gives us a better chance to score a goal so that that sort of our game I think is very, very good. I think uh, that's all down to the the knowledge and the the work Kim has put in throughout his career to to really improve that sort of ability in his team to, to, to actually score goals when you get to the opposition box. Uh, and that sort of idea of, of creating a difficult situation for the opponent that they have to choose one, one way to go and then we can go the other way. And, and and vice versa that sort of goes through our entire style of play so when we build from the back we want to be very proactive and because we feel that no one will give us anything same with uh, the way we press the ball we want to be proactive because we will not not just wait for someone to give us the ball we want to go and take the ball because no one at this level will hand anything to us we have to take it for ourselves and that goes into the way we attack in, in build up as well because uh, if I caught like yesterday decide to press in a four for two, we want to have certain structures where we create possibilities to beat that press. And and we want to create advantages against them. So obviously when a team tries to press you, they do that because they feel that they will create an advantage against us. So for us, it's about adapting our sort of positioning on the pitch, our structures to the way they defend, because we believe different spaces open up depending on which defensive systems, the opponents use because most teams use Sonal, Sonal defensive system in Sweden. So when an OICO striker breaks out to press our center back, for example, we want to have options where we can make their try, their try at pressing us become an advantage for us. So we want to take advantage of them pressing us, if that makes sense. So from them like sometimes teams would press as well, and I could do that at at some point when we weren't good enough to solve the pressure, then they get an advantage. But we want to be able to maybe create different pass angles for the ball carrier so that when they press, it becomes an an advantage for us because we can beat that press and then we can go and play from there, like for the goal that Antoson scored when we then go in in, within their team and can play the ball forward from there and, and try to be as vertical as possible uh when we have the chance and that we have a principle we call it follow the press so when the opponent presses us that tells us that we have to do something and that might be a fullback following a winger pressing and then you have to follow him on the outside so you get space to play or it might be a center midfielder playing behind the striker and then when he goes to press you follow that press and then you just move out to the side to get the ball and then you've opened a big space for you to play and if a midfielder is is following you then we want to follow that press, so someone can drop into that space. It's so, so we get, we take advantage of what the opponent does all the time. That's, that's the sort of idea, and that creates a compact uh, sort of attacking shape. And from that, we have good conditions to counter press when we lose the ball. So we can be proactive in that, that phase as well. So I think there are a lot of things that go into it, and uh, we work on this every day and in in different training sessions where we try and expose the players to situations that might happen, and sometimes situations that are even more complex than the game so they will be well prepared when they come to a game to to take advantage and be able to recognize what the opponent is doing because if we play at u gordon in front of twenty thousand and they the fans are singing it's difficult for kim on the sideline to tell the players oh you have to use this structure so we try and and prepare the players as best as possible on the possible Mm -hmm. uh for example, defensive shapes of the opponent, how they might yeah. press us and how we can how we can adapt that and adapt our structures. And and then uh, we want the players to be able to, to solve those situations themselves on the pitch. And sometimes it works really well, sometimes it doesn't work, and then we might have to change it at halftime. So uh, long answer, but, but that's sort of the overarching idea that we have to be proactive. We have to play our style. We have to take everything uh, if we want to get results, because no one will hand anything to us for free.
0: Yeah, of course, and I mean, if you if you adapt, sort of, I mean, it's a great answer. And if you if you, you know, let's take the specifics, um, you know, let's say like Aik for example, you mentioned there, they kind of they've they've been sort of kind of playing with a four four two, haven't they? At certain times or two in midfield structure of late. Mm-hmm. Um, versus, like say, let's take a hammerby for example. When you when you obviously beat them, how how do you you know what to what extent do you work on specifics? You know, for example, you've mentioned there, like if someone presses, you want to try and use that to your advantage. How do you then? Can you give maybe an example of like how you would then adapt that? Uh, you, you know, maybe based on the opponent. So I don't know. Let's say like you said there, a midfielder breaking into mid um, to press that obviously mm-hmm. might, might open up space in the midfield. Versus say like a uh, let's. T- I mean, you could even take for example like a Mialdi who maybe play a bit of a, a, a deeper block or a Gif Sunsfile playing in a you know different kind of s- sort of setup, maybe a three-five-two kind of model, um, or three-four-three. Like how. You know, I just want to get a bit of idea of how you sort of uh, how long it takes you to sort of figure out the specifics of an opponent, uh, and then what, how much time you have to work on that, if that if that, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Um, just using AOK as a specific example with the fact that you know you played them most recently.
1: Yeah. So uh, we uh, we prepared a few different solutions. So we uh, we started the game playing with uh, if you want to describe it. You know, as simple as possible, we played four-two-three-one. So we yeah. had uh, our fullbacks uh, trying to play in the same line as their wingers, uh, and then we wanted to pl- have two um, centre midfielders and two centre backs, basically controlling the build-up and moving in different angles. And then we had three number tens and uh, one striker. So we wanted the fullbacks to to provide the width for us, and uh, the width for us is always based on the width of the op- opponent's defensive structure. So we don't. Just put people out wide at the yeah. touchline because I, we we believe we become a bit too stretched in our attacking shape and the ball moves a little a little bit uh, a little bit slower uh, and then we also lose the opportunity for us to counter press in the way we do uh, which we work a lot on so so we want we wanted to we weren't sure if they were going to press us with one striker and one ten or if they wanted to go with two strikers so as you saw in the game we uh, we kind of didn't get in the right positions initially when we had basically two centre-backs and two centre-midfielders playing ahead of each other. And then uh, we managed to get it a, lot, a little bit better after around 15 minutes when we dropped one midfielder on the outside to to be able to create better angles and better positioning to, to play. And since we knew that the strikers would press, it was mostly about how do we then move around with those four players, the two centre-backs and the two center midfielders and creating conditions for them to take the ball forward uh, but being aware of maybe the wingers of Oikop breaking out the press because if the right winger will go on our center back then it's important for us to, for our left back to be very active to maybe get the ball on the outside and that's what I mean like following the pressure that if the right winger goes we want the left, w- left back to go with him but trying to get the ball above him so when the ball passes played he can take the ball forward and the distance for the right back is quite far to break out to press the left back then. And if he breaks out, then we want someone to attack the spacing behind. So again, taking advantage of what they do. Uh, and then I think we felt that we didn't really we didn't really do it as well as we wanted to. So we changed after 28 minutes and put, uh, so we had three 10s and the central 10 there, Magashi, he then moved up to play as one of two split strikers. So we played him basically in the line with with Marcus uh, Antoson high up so we played two, uh, two center set the forwards you could call them but very wide so they played tried to play as close as possible to the the AIK fullbacks so we wanted to try and stop them going because they we felt they wanted to go and press us uh, so by having those two players high and a little bit wider we could we tried to pin their back four uh, and I think that created a bit more space for us to play in, in the middle. And it gave us more time to take the ball forward. And that helped us control the game better. And then uh, both both our goals came from, from that exact play, where the first one is Wenderson playing the ball into into the spacing behind their defense with, with Magashi running into that space. And then it's difficult for the center backs to go out and defend because he's sort of in a, not, not wide because he's inside the width of the back four, but it still makes it difficult for them to leave that space to go and, and mark him. So he gets that advantage of going in, in early and then the second goal comes from our left back Albin playing the ball in that inside left channel for Anton Son, who makes a run in and then he goes back and we have two or three passes before Venderson takes a shot so so I think that worked really well um but but that's just an example of how we might change on the pitch within that game and the the games against Hammarby and Kalmar have been crazy because they are quite similar to us they can change their structures a lot so yeah for for those games we just worked in training on on challenging the teams the team we have so we play 11v11 a lot on the pitch where we tell them to go out you can build up in whatever structure you want to use and then it's a challenge for the other team to to press that team based on how we maybe press a back three or how we press a back four or whatever we do so they have to challenge each other in training. And uh, if one team builds up with the back three, then we want to press them in a certain way. And then uh, then the, if you press well, then then they that, that attack team might change and build up with two center backs and three narrow players in front with like inverted fullbacks or something. And then you have to adapt to that and press that. So that's how we try and create this, this uh, atmosphere of being very very flexible and uh, then when we go and play Hammer, we go and play Kalima, we can be aware that they will change a lot so it's up to us to try and create advantages against their changes as well and uh, Kim and me and everyone else uh, on the pitch and on the sidelines, we try to create those to create uh, to, as quickly as possible to figure out what's happening and then yeah. and then it's about uh, getting those messages across and that might be difficult so the players have to be prepared at uh at knowing what to do and and we place a lot of responsibility on certain players so we mentioned robin earlier he's very good at at reading the game in terms of how how do this team actually press us where is the space we want to use then uh, he might organize the defensive players okay we need to do this and then we have players further up who can help organize the attacking players we need need to be looking for these spaces because they yeah. open up and we might yeah. need to run in behind with our 10s we might need to drop off and link so that's it's, it's difficult to explain in no, words, I mean, it's definitely like, better to yeah. show, but that's sort of the overarching ideas that that we want to be as, as difficult to play against as possible. We, want, we yeah. want teams like when we prepare for Kalimar, we have no idea how they're going to play because they might build up with three players, with two players, they might have one six, two sixes, three sixes, they might play with three tens, they might play without wide players, they might play with four wide players. Like you never know how they're going to play. Mm. Same with Hamabi, and we want to be that team for other teams so that when they come to the game, they will look at us and feel, oh, this is going to be difficult. We have to be really active here, because then yeah. then uh, we have probably reached what we want to be. We want to be as difficult as possible to play against when we have the ball, which I've basically talked about now, but also when we don't have the ball, because we want to get it back as quickly as possible and as high up as possible, so we can play on the opponent's half where we feel we are really, really good.
0: Yeah, and it sounds like a lot of work goes into sort of, like you said, off the ball, kind of pressing when to press. And just to give a bit of a statistical analysis of the game, I mean, according to Scout, you know, you, you actually manage more shots uh, on target in the game than, than AIK, uh, way more passes, 497 completed passes uh, versus AIK, 269 completed passes, 65% possession to AIK's 35% possession. So when you look at it, you know, you no one would really believe if you're reading those stats out that you, you've got a team here with a tiny budget and sort of two or three full-time staff against this massive club AIK, you know what I mean? So, it really it really is a testament to the work you guys are doing and, and, and speaks volumes about how much work and you know how much work goes into it I mean one thing that you're quite well known for I think on Twitter is is you, you know you have some really fant- fascinating threads really delving deep into the coaching and what you work on in training and you know um, I, I was reading one of your threads about kind of using mannequins to sort of help uh, play through the press and things like that I mean I'll be honest I'm not a I'm not a B coach so some of it is a little bit over my head in a sense. It's, it's very detailed and, and, and really educational, which is, is great, you know, to learn. Um, what, what's the inspiration for that and kind of uh, how it, how how digestible do you think it is? I mean, how easy is it to learn this sort of stuff? I guess it must take a lot of theory work and things like that to kind of understand these things. I mean, one thing you mentioned there, David, is obviously, for example, uh, you mentioned sort of having a defensive line in line with the, the wide area, um, the wingers, it's having your fullbacks in line with the opponent's wingers. Uh, in terms of where you position them you know how, 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 how much time does it take to learn these sort of concepts and um, things for people maybe coaches who want to maybe get into football you know as a, listening to this as a co- potential wannabe coach
1: yeah I, I mean for us it's very natural because we do this every day and and uh, I think we even though me and Kim hadn't worked together before I think we have we share very similar ideas on, on how we want to want our teams to play And I think uh, that's something so both me and him have worked at lower levels. Uh, he's coached at division five level. I have done the same. Uh, actually I started last season coaching at the, in, in division five and then I went to division one and now, and now I'm in, at this club but we've basically all ever since starting both of us about a decade ago we've we've worked really hard at becoming the very best we can be and, and putting a lot of time and effort into creating you know, uh, styles of play and training sessions and and taking as much inspiration as possible from from uh, different angles of the game. And then you look at at uh, how I can incorporate certain stuff I like from from teams I watch on TV and, and uh, in terms of of that sort of thing, and sort of the detail is like, we just look at how can we make it possible for in that case against our we use the fullbacks wide, but when we played mielby we used a narrow because we felt those players were suited to that and then the place we had yesterday were suited to playing wide in that's in that specific game so yeah that goes into it as well so uh our right back uh, freddy Vince uh he played wide yesterday and he's really good in the final third picking passes but in certain games he's played as as a central midfielder uh with the ball because we feel he can do that as well and in that game we wanted that and maybe used a high winger instead of a of a wide fullback so so that's that's the stuff we work on in training. So all the players, they do all the things, basically, in training. So you mentioned the mannequins. We use mannequins in, in possession games because we feel that when we have them on, we use them as defenders, basically. So if you hit the mannequin, your team loses the ball. Uh, and if you play a game where you're maybe playing, I don't know, say you're playing uh, four against four and you have two uh, n- neutral players playing with the team in possession... So you're basically playing six six against four, but those mannequins, even though they can't move, become sort of defenders. So you know that if you, if my team hits hit the mannequin, I will have to defend. So that forces the player to to move a lot and maybe yeah. like how active we talk about being active to play and being prepared to play. So can I get the ball, to take the ball forward, and then that's my job. But if I'm uh, I'm blocked by someone, then the pass has to maybe go to a different player, and then my job is supporting. To be able to play the next pass so yeah. how can i work with those movements so it's just about deciding how how you want to play and and uh, as i said we don't have a certain system we don't every, every before every game we play the tv company will put our lineup in a 433 <laughs> yeah uh, and i don't think we've played a, a traditional 433 in any game that's sort of a we that's the system people around us talk about yeah. we only talk about okay today these spaces are important then if if it's a centre back playing in central midfield, or if it's a number ten dropping, or if it's a right back coming in, that that is the decision on which players we have available and which players we think suit that particular role yeah. uh, of the day. So, I, I just mine yeah. and, and mine and Kim's way of looking at it is like don't get stuck into systems and, and yeah. formations. More and, like and how do you want to take the ball forward, for example? Exactly. How yeah. do you want to do that?
0: And football's kind of changing, isn't it? I think, you know, these days, the traditional kind of, like you said, formation graphics, it's, it's kind of, they're almost out of date in a way, isn't it? Because you you might have that for the opening bit, but like you just said there, you know, after 15 minutes against AIK, you, you guys changed your style, you know, and, and looked at the, how the game goes and sort of made adjustments uh, to positioning. So it's almost, yeah. um, it's almost kind that, of going out of style a little bit, the kind of formation graphic. I, I wanted to quickly ask you, and you can you also can touch on that yeah. as well in your answer, but what in your opinion maybe is the next sort of big tactical evolution in football in your opinion? How do you see the game going? We obviously have the possession style of kind of Pep, you know, at Barcelona, for example. And then we we've kind of had that kind of Klopp style, Gagan pressing and, you know, um, the styles of football always evolve and change, don't they? What What would you say maybe David is the next big ever tactical evolution in, in football? And obviously you can incorporate what I mentioned there about yeah. formations in your answer.
1: Yeah. Uh, firstly, the formation bit. So I, I just, uh, just to be clear, so I don't want to, uh, people listening to this won't think that this guy just thinks formation doesn't matter. I think formations uh, in terms of how you position yourself on the pitch is crucial because that creates the conditions to play the way we want to play. Right. Yeah. Then whoever does that and whoever is in that position, that for us doesn't really matter. That's just, uh, that uh, we, had Oscar Johansson, for example, is brilliant as a right-sided number 10. So we want to use him there, there as much as possible, but it's not like we play... We don't have to play, say we play four-two-three-one for him to play as a right side of ten. We can play, I don't know, five-three-two-two-three uh, two, two, three, or whatever you want to call it. That doesn't matter. The, the positioning is crucial, but the formation in terms of we play four-for-two or we play four-two-three-one or we play three-four-three. Three, that doesn't matter for us. Uh, it's just, but the positioning is important. That's that's the only thing I wanna I wanna leave people with there for for the way we see football uh, in terms of of. Uh, I think the uh, the second part of your question. I think we've already we're already seeing a certain development towards teams being uh, more and more vertical in the way they play the game. Uh, and I think uh, if you look at a team like uh, yeah, even in Manchester City. I think uh, I don't watch them every week, so I might be wrong. But my my uh, belief when I watch them now is that they are much more vertical in the way they. Play their possession football than than uh, they maybe were before. They they go in behind um, more more than they did used to do, and they are they are more geared towards playing the ball as much as possible forward, and uh, and they want teams to come up and press them because that opens up space. And I think if you look at the way we play, I think we we are very much vertical in the way we play. We we don't want to have the ball just to have the ball. If we have possession but create a lot of different opportunities through control control possession so if we need two passes to play through a team we'll Mm -hmm. take the two passes we don't need 25 Uh, and I think that sort of verticality is coming more and more and I think you see it with Bayern Munich with like the way Nagelsmann plays football I think uh, I think that sort of that sort of football is growing a lot that you go from how uh, quickly can we go with control from our box to the other box and i think uh, again the two goals we scored yesterday we go from our box to their box in three or four passes but those passes are played with control so it's not like punting the ball up the pitch it's building from the back but having a very very much a vertical focus and then it's then it's about creating the conditions for that so you might want to provoke a team to press you you might want to lure them up to to open up space, or you might want them to drop because then you get the naturally if 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 that's uh, if you're very good at at breaking down teams when you get yeah, there. Kind of, so,
0: kind of like building up with speed, isn't it? Like more kind of yeah, fast and transitions think, and and getting up the pitch. You know, yeah, and then I think
1: that that places demands on what you do when you don't have the ball because if you are more if you're if you risk more in possession, like we for example would do, that we try and play the ball forward as as much as possible when the opportunity is right then we will also lose the ball more so then we have to be very good at counter pressing and we have to be very good at at uh, you know just normal pressing when we don't have the ball so we get it back and i think that's something that we are we it was just a side note but it was uh i think it was Colin carpenter from from StatsBomb who tweeted out the graphic with with different teams in, in in top leagues how they go from when they press the ball how many times they recover the ball and how they then can go and can go and uh, you know create shots from from their pressing, sure. uh, and I th- and I think he his tweet was about uh, all the leagues in Europe outside the top five leagues, and we were second in in winning the ball back from from starting pressing, and wow. but we weren't we weren't top on creating those two goals. I think it was a Belgian team that was ahead of us in terms of how many balls they actually recover from pressing. We were second. Then I asked him personally to can you create one for the top leagues to just see how we compare and then we were also second behind leeds in terms of the number of balls you win from pressing mm. and uh, the th- third place team were bayern munich and then you would say oh, bayern munich they have 65% possession every game and they but and like man city were a lot further down in terms of how many balls they recover to get the, to like from pressing because they normally press less than than we would do because we don't have as much possession as them and that's natural but bayern are on 65% possession and they virtually recover as many balls as we do and we 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 average maybe 48% possession so yeah. that tells you something about the verticality of the way they play with because if yeah. you have 65% possession and you just move the ball in a safe manner then you will not get as many options uh, opportunities to get the ball back because yeah. you won't lose the ball but if they if they on almost 20% more possession a game than us are just behind us in in the number of balls they recover, hmm. then that tells you something about the verticality of their play. And I think that's and that's not, that we... adjust,
0: that's not possession adjusted then. So that's like that's crazy, isn't it? If you if you yeah having... yeah.
1: So that leaves United very transitional team uh, going very quickly from box to box, and then you have uh, then you have us who press with all the players all the time, and then you had Bayern Munich who also press a lot, but you would wouldn't think they were up there in terms of. Yeah of a of getting balls back but but no, they were actually yeah it's fascinating stuff and i think that will continue i think that sort of trend of vertical football will will grow and become even better
0: yeah i think um i might even ask you for for that graphic afterwards maybe we can tweet it out and kind of people can have a look at it if you've got it at hand uh, i mean i think uh, our co-host steve will be happy with that as a leeds fan you know seeing them uh, doing so well <laughs> um but yeah no quality stuff i mean we've got a bit more time a little bit more time I mean I want to kind of touch on a few players in the squad and and we've got also a few listener questions so I don't want to I don't want to take up too much of your time but if you've got a little bit of time for a few more questions go yeah, okay. go on, go on. Um, I mean if you had one piece of advice for you know you've done so much and you're still only young you know like you said you start last season you're in the fifth division so it's an incredible rise you know even for yourself not just Varnum but if you had a bit of advice for someone looking to work in football what, what would the advice be it sounds like you're you know really someone with a bright future in the game what would what would your advice be in terms of what you need to do to get into it whether it's kind of even just scouting coaching whatever or what's your advice for how you've got to your position uh,
1: i think you have to do uh, you have to do a lot to improve yourself all the time i think uh, from my perspective i this is basically the first time i've, I've gotten paid to coach uh, which just uh, i've i've as much time and effort as i put in now maybe not time because i've I've had other jobs as well but but uh, in terms of effort i think i bring the same today that i did when i coached the academy teams at buden or or when i coached division five i tried to make it make myself the best possible version of a coach i can be uh and and to bring that to my players and my teams i think that's the same for everything if you wanna if you want to work in football i think the competition and the number of people that want uh they want to work in this industry is you know it's it's mind boggling i think and i think mm-hmm. a lot of people every day go and coach at grass grassroots level and maybe at amateur clubs for very very little financial uh reward and and you know i've been there and kim's been there for example if you just take us two as examples we've we've tried and and become better 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 coaches every day and and uh i think that's the that's the advice i would give and then if you have something that's like stands out for yourself as a coach or as a as a person and whether, whether that be you being really good at video analysis i think you have a place in at most clubs if you're really good at uh you know fitness if you're really good at uh, creating uh, like i mentioned with kim being extremely good in build-up play and, and uh, uh attacking the box for example if you really work on stuff like that or if you're really into set pieces and you become brilliant at at coaching that i think if you can find some sort of edge uh towards others i think you have a good chance and then i think it's sadly uh, in, in a way that it's a lot about connections about uh, getting to know the right people at the right time like i wouldn't coach here uh, this season if i hadn't gone to sylvia last season and gotten to know the people there and i have full confidence in myself as a coach that i'm good enough to be at this level but you still need some sort of sort of luck and you need uh, to get to know the right people at the right time to get those opportunities and then when you're in i think you have to work twice as hard to stay because it's it's a results industry if we lose every game we might be out of a job so mm-hmm. yeah so i i think it's a constant quest of bettering yourself and uh, uh finding something that that makes you stand out from others and and uh, I might have something that makes me stand out, and Kim might have something that makes him stand out, and and I, I bet a lot of people who are not at the same level, at at the top level in whichever country they they work in, and they they have something that makes them stand out. So it's about just about broadcasting that to people and and to the world, and then you never know what might happen. So so try to find something that's really that you're really good at, and then uh, work every day to become a better coach, regardless of which level you're at.
0: I love that advice. I think it's really, really helpful for people who might be, you know, looking to coach and or, or getting into football in, in general. I mean, um, just a couple more questions. In terms of Kim, Kim himself, you know, how far do you think he can go as a manager? Because he's 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 had a pretty good start, like you said. You know, still a young coach as well himself. I think he's only 34, if I'm right in saying. Um yeah. you know, you work with him day to day and see everything he does. You know, what well, you know, what do you think his his ceiling is as well?
1: Uh I'd be uh I'd be very surprised to not see him coach uh, in other countries than Sweden. I think uh, I'm obviously biased working with him and I'm pretty sure he will listen to this uh, to keep up to date with what I'm saying. But I think uh, in all honesty, I, I think he uh, is the brightest football mind I've come across. I think he uh, has, a, has, a, has a skill for spotting details in the game that, that make details that make all the difference uh that very few have and and i I think that's that's also a challenge for me as his assistant because i can never know 100 uh the way we play because it's in his head he decides he sees things and based on the the, uh, the the football he wants to play so he might see something we see the same clip we i know exactly the style of play but he might pick up on something that I won't because it's in his head. So that's also a challenge for me as an assistant to constantly try and (laughs) and understand everything. So when we have video meetings, we tend to divide them a lot. So he will often do more on the attacking side of the game and I will do more on the defensive side. And then on the pitch, likewise, I I work a lot on the defensive, like pressing and run sessions on that. And and then Kim will run more sessions on the attacking game. And we tend to split, uh, build up play a lot in between each other uh he does a little bit more low defending as well uh and and it's a challenge for me to constantly keep up with because football is a and style of play is constantly changing as well so so uh he might we i think we've changed a lot from january in the way we view things and the way we approach things because it's a constant process and a really crucial aspect of the way he does things is that he is very good at spotting details as i said and i think uh when we have video meetings when we are on the pitch i have to be as attentive as the players because for me i can never know 100 what the game is like in his head because he decides what we should do and how we always develop so a challenge for me as an assistant is to try and keep up so i am at the same page all the time with him and i think uh, uh, the way he is constantly looking for ways to improve himself and the team will only help him improve further and i think the the quality he already has in terms of organizing the attacking play and, and he's very good as a defensive coach as well uh i think he can coach in whichever league and i think a lot of clubs in europe and you know i don't know the the, the rest of the world too would uh be lucky to have him as a coach because i think he's he's very very good uh, biased as though i am uh, i think he is uh, one of the definitely one of the best coaches i've come across and and, uh, i think uh, i struggled to see how a lot of people would be a lot better than him in terms of the way he does things and then he would tell you himself that he's just starting out and he he has a lot to improve and and uh, i think we all do so it's going to be interesting to see where he goes and hopefully i can i can join him on the journey uh for for as long as as possible Mm -hmm. because i think we work really well together at the moment
0: Yeah, and given given the success you've had so far, I mean, we we had a listener question, which I'll just sort of very briefly touch on. You don't have to go into much detail on it. Um, But we got another question from uh, a flying Dutchman uh, who says, how difficult is it it to adapt in Osvenskan as a first-timer? And, you know, I can imagine that the aim for the club is is kind of just to stay up. And and at the moment, you know, you're kind of achieving that goal. And even with the metrics we've mentioned, um, you know, kind of doing just a sign of how well you're doing, isn't it, on such a low budget, probably the lowest budget in the league?
1: Yeah, I think that's testament to, uh, to the attitude of everyone around the place. I think in terms of the players, they bring a lot of energy and a lot of enthusiasm every day to become better. And I think uh, us coaches, we do a lot of, a lot of uh, things for these players and help to educate them in the way we want to play all the time. And, and I think uh, given the quality our head coach has and, and uh, how I, in my role, try and support him to the best of my ability and with the players, we have and the way they improve every day i think we've adapted very well as i said our performances have been very very good i i, I have felt in games that we play better teams uh, we've we got beaten by you gordon and elspory with big figures but i think the games were still close and the Gordon game they scored five goals from depending on where you look they had an xp of around 1.8 to 2.2 and we had one so it was a. Pretty even game in terms of, of statistical analysis and in terms of our understanding of the game, but but then they had a lot of quality in, in decisive moments and scored five goals. So I think we've adapted really well, and that's testament to the players first first and foremost because they they have to do it on the pitch. I can do as much as possible, Kim can do as much as possible, but on the pitch they have to uh, they have to actually execute everything. So it's a testament to their ability to constantly uh, look for ways to improve. an individual level on a collective level and then being able to adapt when when we go and play against really 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 good teams uh, especially when we go away from home to some of these uh, big stadiums and we have a lot of those games coming up now in the next few weeks so uh, I think we've adapted well performance wise and I think uh, it's very tough because you have to work extremely hard to be able to do it and I think uh, for us it's so far, so good in terms of, of adapting to the level. And then it's about getting the absolute maximum result we can. So make sure that we can play in this league next season as well. And and hopefully for us, we can get some good results now and, and push up even further. So we don't have to look around our shoulders all the way into to the first weekend of November when the, when the league finishes. But that's going to be a tall ask. But yeah. we'll give everything we've got.
0: No, fantastic. And thank you to Flying Dutchman. Um, I'm going to kind of try and tie in the last few questions that we have into one, basically. Okay. So uh, um, on. bas- uh, I did want to ask you about a couple of the players. And you also did mention about kind of verticality and the changing, you know, evolution of football a little bit. Um, and, you know, we talked about Manchester City and obviously Liverpool, kind of two of the best teams in Europe, maybe. They've both recently sort of signed big strikers. haven't they? Maybe they're going to adapt their, their their game model in that sense. Maybe Darwin Nunes, uh, Erling Haaland um and obviously wanted to talk to you guys about sort of marcus antonson because he's had such an impact seven seven league goals it's been a real focal point for you it also ties into a question that we have from uh at football in dk football in denmark who says um does a traditional 442 still have its place in modern football almost all the teams play with a single striker now and wingers but is this just a current fad or is it a necessity um maybe not in so much on the 442 bit but i just wanted to get your opinion firstly on marcus antonson um, and secondly, the importance of of, of a sort of, of a striker like that in 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 and and in, in general in football, um, and you know your your perspectives on him as a person, what he's brought to the group, and then also a little bit in terms of you know philosophically strikers, the role of strikers in modern football.
1: Absolutely. So starting with Marcus, I think uh, uh, we could not have signed uh, a better person to the team when we brought him in 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 late January. I think uh, he's had a a very good career. I think, uh, you know, he played in England for a few years for Blackburn and Leeds and, and he's played at Malmö and Kalmar Kalman and, and done really well uh, everywhere he's been, really. So, he's uh, he, ha- he came with a track record of being a very good very good striker. He uh, also basically was the only one who had played games in al For Forest. So, we had Oscar Johansson playing, I think, 12 times for Telebori a few years ago and then we had uh, Robin Tihi who played, I think, the same 11 or 12 games for, for AIK. A few years ago as well so marcus was basically the only one with proper experience for playing in our So council he has been crucial for us in terms of not so much uh leading by being a he he is a vocal leader but it's more like he leads by example he he is a super super professional i think he uh has a brilliant work ethic and an attitude to learn because it's easy for a striker who's over 30 to come and say that yeah, I've done some things my entire career and now Kim Helberg and David Zelini wants to to change my style so I can do something different. It's very easy to then just say, you know what, I've done pretty well for myself doing my way. Why should I adapt to your way just because you tell me that's better? And then I think he has been very open and very attentive to everything we've we've tried to tell him. And I think yeah, he and Kim, they work a lot together on, in the uh, in terms of uh, how can he improve his movements in the box, which spaces do, do he uh, does he attack? Uh, how can he how can he improve in his movement in the box? How can he improve in his overall play? They use video a lot. I think he brings clips to show him. He comes to me to talk about pressing strategies and and what he feels we can improve and what he feels works, you know, work works well for us. So I think he's he's a super person and uh, he's been a really important player for us. He brings. A sort of opportunity for us to go into him early as a target player he's, he's improved his target play brilliantly and that can help bring our creative tens into play more and I think he he is exceptional at finding the right spaces in the box which helps create space for others as well and for himself so he is just a, a fantastic player to work with and I think if if he continues in the way he he has been doing now, he can score a lot more goals. Because I think uh, we we had a look today actually. I think he was probably the, I think was the top player in Alstanskan on um, open play XG. So he's even higher than than Yeremeyev, who has a, a bunch of penalties as well. So I, I think he's getting himself into a lot of good areas. And I think uh, as a team, we create those opportunities for him. But I think it's still up to him to get to those positions and get to those spaces where he can score goals and and the long it continues that he is on this this goal scoring form because that that can only help us get the results we need uh, in terms of strikers in general i, I think both uh, david nunes and uh, and holland tie into two uh, discussions they both suit the very vertical style of play because they are extremely quick and good at attacking the spacing behind they make good runs into those what you call them, half-space channels, uh, Holland especially to the left, and I think Nunez as well, from from what I've seen. Uh So I think they suit that, and they also suit the opportunity to play higher balls into the box when you're facing a deep block, uh, and that's something we also get advantage from from with Marcus because he's really good in the air. So I think uh, as teams become more and more central and want to block off central spaces as a, as a consequence of that, uh you are forced to go wide. So you have to be good in the wide areas by either getting the ball into the box. That could be the help of a big center forward or by going from the wide area into those half-space channels and getting the ball into the box from there, either uh, in behind the defense or above the defense. Mm. And if you can then have a striker who can maybe bind up a few players in in, in the box, that can only help you. Uh, But then again, when you look at Kalmar, who often play without that recognized number nine they are very good at getting others to maybe run into those areas so mm. there are always always different solutions but i think as long as you have someone who attacks those spaces and and get in those areas around and not around but in between the posts you have a good chance of scoring goals uh, if you have certain methods to unlock those defenses and and players like like Antonson, darwin Nunes, and holland uh, what a company he's in there, by the way, Marcus. He will be happy <laughs> with that. Uh, they uh, they will always be beneficial. So I, I think we might see more top teams uh, opting for those kind of strikers. You have uh, Do some at Juventus as well, who they paid big money for uh, players who can attack spacing behind, but can also uh, be very physically strong. So I, I think it can only be a benefit.
0: No, fantastic. It's been so so good to talk to you, David. Um, really interesting insights in in coaching tactics so many different different elements of it um just one, one final question before we let you go just wrapping it up all we'll, um you know financially how important is it for Varnamo to stay in the league this season and and kind of um is the aim i guess it's just to stay up isn't it do everything in your power for the next 15 games to kind of keep the team in the league and then kind of build from there
1: yeah since the since the points we've uh we've uh, brought in so far are not really enough for us to to at the moment think about finishing that much higher i think we will do everything we can to get as many points as possible and and better our return from the first half of the season so hopefully we can finish in 10th or eighth whatever what was possible based on other results but we're also realistic enough to know that at the moment it's about keeping ourselves above the relegation place and the, and the relegation playoff so so of course that's the aim i think Due to the, well, I would say sensible uh, nature of the club and the way we've we've invested in the, in the squad and in in the um, yeah in everything around the club, I think uh, if we, no, if we would get relegated, I think we would be in a good position to to bounce straight back up because uh, we are not we are not paying extortionate amount of money uh, to any players. Uh, we have uh, most uh not most but a lot of the players are on the contract for next season as well uh so i think if we would get relegated we would be fine from a financial sense but of course uh everything around the place everyone in the city now we want to play in this league and and uh it would be worse on a psychological level than it would be on a financial level to get relegated but at the moment we are feeling confident in in our ability to to stay uh stay up for for next year as well
0: Amazing stuff. And uh, yeah, I wish you the very best of it. it. It sounds like, you know, according to the metrics, you're doing well, let's see if it can even itself out. And I hope it does. You know, it's you know, such a, you've brought a freshness to our fence I think, which has been really, really refreshing the way you approach games uh, and the style of play and everything. So yeah, I really wish you all the best of luck. Uh, we'll keep a very close eye on you. Where can we sort of follow you? Is there, any, you know, um, if people maybe want to know a little bit more about yourself? I know you're on Twitter. Um, I'm going to plug Anything in yeah, particular? now it's
1: uh, that will be my Twitter account. So that's uh, at Dave Cellini, and yeah. So uh, as as you said earlier, quite open. We want to post stuff to inspire other coaches because we've uh, both me and Kim have been on the other side where it's difficult to to get a hold of good uh, you know training content or whatever it is. Now we film all the sessions, so we can can share certain stuff. So it's just. Uh, People should be feel f- should feel free to uh, get in touch if they have questions, if they want something uh, to to uh, discuss. Um, I'm always open, so just uh, send me a message on, on Twitter. Otherwise, just uh, yeah, uh, try and watch some games, and hopefully, we can uh, bring some good football to to everyone's uh, television screens.
0: Well, good luck to yourself and good luck to Varno for the rest of the season. I've really enjoyed sitting down with you. Thank you so much, uh, David. Um, that'll be all for this week. You can join us as well on on Twitter at Nordic If you'd like to sort of um, follow us on Twitter as well and or patreon.com slash Podcast for the uh, extra bonus content. But for now, thank you so much, uh, David Cellini of Varnamo Assistant Coach, really fascinating insights. Um, Do let us know what you think of the show, Uh, send us a message or tweet or comment on YouTube. Uh, And we'll be back very soon as well with more uh, general coverage of Auschwitz and Elite Syrian uh, and Danish football as well, which we cover a lot this season. So thanks a lot. Uh, Thank you to David again. My name's Jonathan Vaduba and we'll be back very soon. So uh, for now, have a great uh, evening or day uh, and take care. Goodbye.